Hello, Ray. Hey, yes, Hello. Danny. How are you? Good, thank you. How's things? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I am just going to go through some questions with you. Sure. All right, cool. So I'll just introduce you first. So we've got Dr. Ray Jung on the phone. Um, Dr. Ray Jung is a fertility specialist, an obstetrician, and a gynecologist. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you will know he is my personal fertility specialist, obstetrician, and gynecologist, and he has delivered all three of my babies. Um, Ray focuses on minimally invasive surgical techniques, including advanced laparoscopic surgery and vaginal surgery. Um, we have been very lucky here in SA um, to have had Ray move here since 2006, where he moved from New Zealand with his family. Um, so Ray, or Dr. Jung, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your special interests are? Okay. Thank you, Danny, for that introduction. Um, I think what I need to, I guess, I just need to clarify something when you said about what I do. Mm -hmm. So. Technically, you're right, I'm an obstetrician and gynecologist, but I we have, I think, need to say that I have an interest in fertility rather yeah. than an actual fertility specialist because uh, okay. there really isn't such a thing unless you consider um, um, something called CREI, which stands for Certificate of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility. So that's actually a subspecialty, if you like. So, okay. so when you uh, see some uh, specialists, anyone can do fertility medicine, like anybody. So yeah. you could be a GP, you could be like myself, uh, obstetrician gynecologist, and done some extra work. So I've done my master's. Uh, and then, of course, I've worked at Reprimand now for 10 years. Uh, or you can go and do three more years of subspecialty training. Um, so the so that's kind of the kind of three different groups of people you can see. Okay. Um, oh, that's yeah. Different. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, so, for example, at Reprimand, uh, where you know you came to and where I work. Uh, yep. The subspecialists there are Professor Tremellen, oh, Dr. Yes. Juliet Koch, and yep. uh, Dr. Vamzita Lurie. So there are the three subspecialists. And actually, there are actually very few subspecialists in South Australia. Oh, so okay. most of us who practice have an interest. And yep. I guess some have more interest than others. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, that, I guess, segues into like you know tell me a bit about yourself sort of thing yeah well uh, as you know i'm uh obstetrician gynecologist i do lots of laparoscopies my main um focus of my work these days is largely pelvic pain mm -hmm. um and that could be related to endometriosis or um fertility issues and some of that can be caused by endometriosis yeah and so fertility medicine lends itself quite well to that space because, you know, you can get the young woman who has got pain and her issues are pain at the moment, but in five or ten years' time, it could be fertility. So um, yeah. we 
I recommend that a lot of my young women who see me for pain symptoms still check their egg reserve yeah. because we've had the odd young woman with quite poor, very low egg reserves. And, you know, at least we can give them an option of freezing eggs or, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And so yeah. then, of course, that special interest in laparoscopy and, and, and endometriosis, they go hand in hand because, you know, lots of patients with endo have fertility problems. And yeah. uh, it, it does help to be able to link the specialist work. So, you know, especially when you have really bad endo, yeah. the, and if the patient sees us the whole time, it's a little bit easier. I'm not saying that, you know, they have to see me or see person X, but yeah. in, I find that it's helpful for my patients uh, that they don't have that I don't have to communicate with someone else about their surgery. I can just go like, I'm communicating with myself, really. Yes. You know, yeah. like how I plan things and Yeah, well, cycles. kind of like what we did, yeah. Like I exactly. used my laparoscopy. easier. Then the so my, that, like, yeah, my fertility treatment. And then as exactly. when I got pregnant, then my, exactly. you know, I just Timing felt stuff. safer knowing that you knew my history throughout my pregnancies and what I was, yeah, obviously like all my cycles and everything. So then yeah. when I got pregnant, then I didn't have to worry because you already knew everything. Correct. And also, yeah. I think for you as a patient, you kind of go like, oh, okay, you know, this individual, um, I don't have to explain to him what an IVF cycle is all about. Because, yeah. you know, interestingly enough, when you go through training to be an obstetrician gynecologist, you do very little fertility medicine, like virtually no fertility medicine. So yeah. if you started going on and talking about um, you know, your IVF cycles and your steam drugs and all that stuff, the regular gynecologist may have a small idea, mm -hmm. but may not fully understand what you're going on about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, well, I definitely felt more comfortable um, personally. So, yeah, well, but that's interesting. I didn't know that about um, the, yeah, like not specifically being a fertility Special. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah so that's interesting to know. It's just a, it's, it's, I don't have the subspecialty papers. It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm yeah. not interested in the topic. It doesn't mean yeah. I don't read up and not good at it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I feel the patient goes to who they're comfortable with. And yeah, as long exactly. as the person that they're comfortable with is getting good results, yeah. then, you know, what does it matter if they have, in my opinion, anyway? Uh, yeah you know, that I haven't done it. And yes, it would have been nice to do the extra training, but yeah. I was a bit older and I just felt that I just didn't have the time to go yeah. through another three more years of subspecialty training. Yeah. Oh, well, I know a lot of us love you anyway for all your oh, utility you. work anyway. So I'm always referring people to you, as you know. Um, thank you, thank you. And so what do you enjoy most about your job then? I think the job is very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, there's so many parts about the job I like. I like the challenge of fertility medicine, but fertility medicine in itself can be very emotionally draining. As you know, mm -hmm. as a patient, right, you've been through yeah. it. 
And yeah. it's so emotional and it's yeah. so difficult when yeah. it doesn't work out. Yes. Um, and what I find uh, difficult about fertility medicine is that, you know, if you are successful 30 to 40% of the time as mm-hmm. a clinician, you're actually doing a reasonably good job. Yeah. That means my failure rate is 60 to 70%. Yeah. And so we will fail more than we will succeed. Yeah. And whilst it's easy for me to say like, oh, failures or whatever, but, you know, as a patient, you understand, you know, failure is devastating. So, um, yeah. and patients sometimes, I think, one, I, I wonder what they think that we are doing, uh, but sometimes, you know, it's not that we want to fail. Like, no one wants to fail. It's just bad mm. luck sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, Whilst I like fertility medicine, I can't do it full time because it's just too emotionally draining. Yeah, yeah. So then you got the other part, but it is fun. It is good. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. But the balance comes from patients like yourself. You know, you've had your babies, and if you choose to stay on with us for obstetric care, yeah. then we get to see the happy side of the yeah. fertility treatment, which is the baby at the end. So yeah, um, yeah. But not everyone stays with us. Um, yeah. Some choose to go elsewhere, which is fine. It's their prerogative. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah. So yeah. I enjoy all parts, but it, you can't have too much of one thing. It, it becomes yeah. too, too, no, it makes sense. too emotionally difficult. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. It would be, yeah. Um, and yeah, like going on the journey with your patients, I suppose that yeah, and seeing that that you know you're. I mean, I always say it. You know, me, Roland, and I always say it. Like, oh, you know, Ray gave us three kids. Like, you know, even with Orlando, even though he was naturally conceived, I still feel like you helped us because I had the laparoscopies, I had the clean out, Correct. I did Correct. the you know IVF, I got pregnant that way. That obviously helped my body um, yeah. and then somehow it just kick-started it. So even though he well, was still natural, we're always like, oh, Ray, like gave us another baby. <laughs> well, that's not wrong because you see, and we're going to answer one of your later questions a bit earlier, but I think you just brought it up, is, you know, when people talk about fertility, they forget that if you try long enough, if you're young enough, like you are, yeah. eventually you would have fallen pregnant. Yeah. See, I believe that if you had not seen any of us and not done any surgeries, you might have conceived one child now, yeah. but you might have missed out on the others. Yeah. See, IVF, yeah. all it does is it speeds up a process. It speeds up what nature would normally do. Yeah. All we do is take your egg and your sperm and put it together and make an embryo. We're not yeah. doing anything other than that. And yeah. so when sometimes results are poor and patients go like, oh, why didn't it work? And I go, well, many factors, but it starts with good eggs and good sperm. Yeah. It's like yeah. a cake. Yeah. You can't bake a good cake if you've got bad ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, so true. You know, and so 
I say to patients who want to blame us or other people, and again, please, I'm not blaming a patient for bad eggs or bad sperm. No, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they bring their issues to us and we try our best. And unfortunately, sometimes for reasons we cannot control, they have bad eggs or bad sperm. And look, sometimes it's bad something else. It may be good eggs and good sperm, but there's something else. So it's... um, it's so challenging. Yeah. No, I can imagine. And I suppose those people probably just, like, being in it myself when I thought I was never going to be a mum, I suppose yeah. um, you just you just try and find anything else to blame, I suppose. Um, right. Or any, and just trying to find a reason, you know? It's not about blaming someone, though, Danny. It's about mm. accepting that sometimes shit happens. Yeah. Can I say that oh, sometimes bad things happen? Okay. Oh, you can you can we say <laughs> you know how much I swear. We don't always know why bad things happen to everyone or some yeah. people. Yeah. But bad things happen, and yes, you can go oh woe is me or whatever. But or you can just and it might sound simplistic, but you need to find the strength to pick up and go on and find a solution because yeah. staying where yeah. you are and wallowing in self-pity is not the solution because you ain't going nowhere yeah. by doing that. Yeah, I know. It can it can be pretty difficult though when you're in it and you know what I mean? Like I, I know I what know. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Uh, so... Um, so in your opinion then, what would you what would be what would be the recommended time to wait? So if somebody was trying, say, I don't know, say six months or I know some some doctors say six months, some doctors say a year, what what's your in your opinion um to have investigative investigative I can never say that word. Investigative investigative <laughs> testing done. Investigations. <laughs> yes, that's it. On fertility factors, so like your egg counts, your AMH and your sperm, um, what what would be the most ideal time? I, I suppose that's probably an open question because yeah. it depends on, like, would it depend on age and stuff as well? Absolutely. It depends on age. It yeah. depends on your life circumstances. So if you look at just age, the yeah. general consensus is if you've been trying for 12 months or more, under the age of 35, get tested. Yeah. Six months or more if you're over 35, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's the general consensus. However, yeah. what I say to patients is having a sperm test is not hard, all right? Yeah. Having an egg count test is not hard unless you have a needle phobia. Yeah. So having a blood test, an ultrasound and a sperm test, those are your basic fertility tests. You could do it at any stage. And for us to put numbers like 12 months or six months, well, yes, that's good. That's conventional wisdom. Mm -hmm. But I've had patients who come to me and they go, Ray, we don't think we've got a problem, but we just want to get it checked before we start trying for 12 months. Because... They don't want to reach the end of the 12 months and to be tested and say, look, it's all okay. Yeah. Go and try another 12 months or whatever. Yeah. So, and that's what I've told a few people. Yeah. And I've tested patients three months. So yeah. The patient is willing to pay for the test, do the test. I'm not yeah. about to stand in their way. Right? Yeah. I've had a couple, I remember years ago, comes to me, 
And they said, like, oh, you know, we want to do some fertility testing. And I go, like, how long have you been trying? It's like three months. And I'm like, really? In your, in your early 30s, yeah. you should wait a year. I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say it. Yeah. And I said, look, you know what? They've come to me for the test. I said, here are the forms. Go get it done. Yeah. It turned out the partner had no sperm. Zero. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that now, would have been trying for nothing, really. Well, yes. Or imagine how foolish it would have been on my part if the patient came to me and said, Ray, I want to do this test. And I said, no, you're fine. Go away for 12 months. And 12 yeah. months later, they come back. And I do the test. And he has no sperm. They'll be pretty upset with me because I've just oh, wasted yeah. 12 months of their time. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. No, you know, that's right. It's not like it's a law, it's no sperm. Yeah. So you just you know, never and so then that process is... So basically, I, I wouldn't say to... I wouldn't discourage a patient from testing early. Yeah. Um, but conventionally, it's six months, 12 months, depending on your age. Over uh, 35, okay. under 35. And how long does it take, so if they want to have pre- pre- preliminary investigation? The testing? Uh, yeah. About a month. About oh, okay. a month. Well, that's not, not too bad. I mean, no, I know how long all, you know, like cycle, IVF cycles and all that takes. It can be a long time. But, yeah, a month's not too bad for testing. No, because it's really timing the test, isn't it? Because we have yeah. to do the test at a certain time of your period cycle, which comes around once a month. So... Basically, when that time comes around, we do the test, and once the results are out, which takes a day or two, yeah, we can review the patient. Yeah. Ah. And so would you say there's any complementary things that could help for people trying to conceive? So modifying diet, um, t- you know, taking prenatal supplements. Um, I know, like, some people say for egg is CoQ10, I think, is it? Um, yeah, so... So the only supplement I would really say people should think about taking is really folic acid. Yeah. Um, anything else is sort of not been shown to help. Does yeah. it harm you? Probably not. So, yeah. yeah, you mentioned CoQ10. You could take that. You could take Elevit. You could take Menavit. Yeah, At that's not the big one in No, it's not. Put it this way, it can improve things a little bit. Yeah. But if you have really bad fertility problems, it's not really going to make much difference. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember I was pretty, I, I tried all different things and I remember going to see a naturopath. And, I mean, I, I'm all for them and, you know, all that stuff. But I was on so many things and I remember if I didn't, I got sort of, I became a bit of a stickler. Like if I didn't take something, I felt like I ruined my chances and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just knowing that, you know, they can help a little bit, but there's nothing, you know, that's really, like you said, if you've got really bad infertility issues and um, it's not going to make a huge difference. No, um, no. And so what about for people that have unex- unexplained infertility? What would yep. their next step B because um, yeah that's a, I know that one's a bit of a big question it is it, it's it's a bit hard because it's a generalization but unexplained fertility and I'm assuming that eggs and sperm are normal um, mm-hmm. like often time is time okay? yeah um, time 
is the big one. Um, and but then you know if if you came to see me for example at the age of 33, mm-hmm. and you said to me, Ray, I want to have three children. When do you start treatment? Do you give her another 12 months? Do you give her 24 months? Yeah. Then what happens if she's 35? And then, you know, so it's a bit hard. Yeah. There is the concept of completion of family as well we need to consider. So, you know, she may have desires to have five kids. I don't know. So, mm. you know, so you want to be able to help people achieve their dreams. Um but in that, you need to also sometimes move quickly. So sometimes you say, oh, look, you know, maybe you do an IVF cycle and then after that you can try and conceive naturally and if not pregnant, then, you know, come back to frozen cycles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what would be the most common factors that lead to infertility? Uh, well, I guess, again, conventionally we break it down to three things, three groups. One third of the problems are in the woman, one third in the males, and one third are both. Mm. So generally speaking, fertility is kind of like equal between men and women, but not everything is built equal. Um, And what I mean by that is if you have a male with poor sperm, Mm -hmm. but the woman has a good egg and is free of any problems and diseases, her mm-hmm. good egg could overcome the male infertility and therefore you don't see them in clinic because they would have just conceived naturally outside. Uh, but okay. if you have male super sperm and maybe the egg is not as good for whatever reason, then yeah. you will have more of them in clinic because that's just the way it is. The super sperm cannot fix the good egg. Yeah. If it makes sense. Uh, the poor yeah. egg, I'm sorry. Yeah. But the yeah. good egg can fix poor sperm. So that's... Uh, but okay. generally speaking, when you talk about causes of infertility, it's third male, third female, and a third both. Okay. So, like, I remember getting, doing my, my first cycle, not with Repromed, with a different clinic, um... And they didn't put me on the right protocol, I don't think, in my, as my personal opinion. Yeah. And I, I had 20 eggs that were collected. And then I think they said 12 fertilized. Yeah. But in the end, I only got two embryos. And then they weren't very good. So that, that could, could have meant maybe my eggs weren't good or something. Or So, again, for you, your specific situation... I remember thinking, okay, it's probably an egg issue. Yeah. Um, and then you say, okay, what's causing the egg issue? Is she born with it? Or yeah. does she have a disease process that's causing her to have this egg issue? And so one of the things I thought that you may have had was endometriosis. And yeah. and it turned out that you did. So yeah. um, did that improve? Yeah. Well, I guess in your situation, it did, right? Because you've got three kids out of it. So Yeah. And know, then being on the right protocol for the endometriosis and the uh, adenos. 
Wouldn't that yes. have helped as well a little bit? Yes, a bit. But what I also say to patients is be careful before you crucify your poor fertility specialist because I I see a lot of um, second opinions, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't mean that the previous fertility doctor was no good. In fact, I don't actually see that as a problem. I think what they have done in most cases, like 99% of the cases, they've done everything right. Yeah. But they didn't have the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. I do. Because you've come to me, you've done a cycle with Shane Elsewhere, yeah. you've brought your records, and I know that that didn't work. Yeah. So yes, that's the true. last thing I'm going to do is re- yeah. replicate what they did. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. So, you know, some people come to me and go, like, oh, like, you know, Ray, you you're this, you're that, and that person's no good. I go, no, 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 they're good. They just don't have hindsight. Now, yeah. everyone looks good with hindsight. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, like, that's you know, I do cycles sometimes, and the results are crap, okay? Yeah. And I say to the patient, look, I'm really sorry, but how are we to know that this is what your body's going to do? Yeah. You know, I yeah. warn all my patients. I say, look, you know, I can design a, a protocol, but at the end of the day, your body will do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. we don't know until we start how it's going to finish. And then, you know, of course, we have to make modifications and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that really makes sense. Um, and without obviously giving personal details, and I know you wouldn't, um, what is one of your favorite success stories? IVF you success are, Danny. Story? You're my favorite. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you know, that question is, is so hard because, you know what, Danny, we have looked after so many, we've been in such a privileged position to look after so many people. Yeah. It's really, really hard to pick I one imagine. that's your favorite yeah. because, you know, especially the patients that I deliver the babies, I think all of you are special to me because, you know, we went on a journey yeah. three or four years. And we come out at the end of it, and you yeah. know we've got what we got, and and I think all everyone is special um, yeah. to me, like uh, because they all come with different problems. Some are easy, some are hard. But yeah. you know, if you talk about who's the longest I've worked with, mm-hmm. uh, what about that six, story that was in the paper? Six, seven years for one yeah. child. Oh wow. Yeah, big. that's full on. Yeah, and the, the the one in the papers, I can't remember. I think we've had two or three now, but they, they've they've been good. Did journeys. they name their son after you? Yeah, the, yeah. Yes, they did. They did. That's so cool. Yeah, you did God. name your son after me. And no one has asked you to be Godfather <laughs> yet. Oh, that's no, terrible. I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I always say to my kids, well, we're going to go see Uncle Ray Ray now. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, all right. And so I, a lot of us know you in SA as the endo guy. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, if anyone ever asked me about endometriosis, I might go see Ray um, yeah. or Ray Ray. So what would be the most common symptoms of endo? Uh, endo is really, really complex. So yeah. to say the common symptoms is tricky because there are so many symptoms. Yeah. Um, 
So usually what I ask my patients is, do you have any pain with intercourse, pain with mm-hmm. peeing, pain with pooing, painful periods? So those are the main four ones. And yeah. after that, you go into bloating, headaches, migraines, uh, fatigue. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the one that's forgotten a lot is infertility. And we yeah. So many patients who no pain, nothing else. Their only symptom is infertility. So yeah. I guess those are the common ones. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I was going to ask you if migraines was a part of it because I know that can be some people's, you know, they've had migraines their whole life and doctors have checked for everything else and I've always wondered, I wonder if they've got endos. Yeah, because they can be hormonal migraines, can't they? They could be. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are one of the first doctors here um, in SA to offer assisted robotic laparoscopies. Yeah. What, what does that mean um, and yeah. why would you use that? Yeah, so basically... Um, we know laparoscopy as the, you know, pots in people's tummy and we fill the tummy with gas and we put our instruments in. So conventional equipment is, we call it straight stick surgery, okay? So basically it's a straight stick um, and we do the surgery with that, which means if you want to go up, you have to drop your hand. So you've got to go into opposite direction. If you mm. want to go down, you've got to lift your hand up. If you want to go left, you've got to go right. You want to go right, you've got to go left. So, oh, that's too confusing uh, for me already. <laughs> Thank God I'm not a... Actually, <laughs> play lots of video games and you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's standard laparoscopy. Been around for many, many years. Excellent tool. And about 99, 95% of my work is done with straight slit surgery. Yeah. Robotic surgery is just basically a different tool to do the same job. We use the Da Vinci robot. Now, mm-hmm. the robot is useful because it helps us get to some more tricky areas. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, I probably do one or two robotic surgeries a month. Okay. Um, not a lot because most patients I can do with the straight stick surgery. Yeah. And um, to use the robot usually means that your disease is really, really bad and yeah. that's why I'm using the robot. So does that get into all the little nooks and crannies? Is that why? Yeah, so it gets oh, into okay. the nooks and crannies. It gets, uh, And also the robot arm is articulating, so it's like having your wrist inside. So, uh-huh. you know, if you put your hands out straight, you can move your wrist. You know, if you twist your wrist, you've got that movement. Yeah. Um, it, it's what we call 270 degrees of movement, right? Oh, wow. And the robot has 270 degrees of movement as well. So basically... Whatever action I do on the outside is mimicked inside by the instrument. So all I have to do is say, okay, I want to do this like an S-shaped movement and inside the robot arm will do an S-shaped movement because outside my hand is doing it too. So it's it's replicating exactly what my hand is doing outside. Oh, wow. That's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, and yeah, so only a couple of months. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a good thing, I suppose. Cause it's, yes, I mean, because you know. of the, the robot is very popular. Mr. Yeah. Robot is very popular. So he's very, very popular. So lots of people want to use him. Um, oh, that's cool. And so would a laparoscopy or can a laparoscopy 
help infertility? Wow, that's a difficult question. So if you look at the literature, the scientific literature, mm-hmm. um, the evidence is that it's probably minimal benefit. Minimal. Okay. Yeah. However, what we say to patients is this. We know IVF is superior because we can control so many factors with IVF. Yeah. So it's more exact. Your cycle will be the same as the person after you, as the person after you in terms of quality control. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because we can control those things. Laparoscopy, you can't control a lot of factors. And the number one factor you cannot control is your surgeon. Mm-hmm. Who you see who does how much training they've had, and so forth. So we find that for most patients' infertility, IVF is superior. Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't have surgery. It's just that the pure numbers would suggest that IVF is superior. Okay, yeah. All right. Can it help? Yes, it can. Yeah. How much? Don't know. Yeah, yeah, because I say, you know, you hear people, even I've said that, you have a clean out and then you're better. But So that's, yeah, not not always the case. Who knows? Yeah. Sometimes we makes no difference, and I've had that too. Yeah. Although uh, I don't think that we've ever made things worse from, from memory. The most yeah. important thing is you should not leave the person worse off, which I hope we haven't left anyone worse off. Yeah, yeah. And where do you think, where, what are your thoughts on the origin of endo? Like, could it, could, do you think it could be environmental factors? Um, you know, I, I remember seeing some lady and she suggested, she suggests that it's come from things in the plastic and that mimic estrogen and um, things that we eat and, yeah, our diet and sugar and all that. I'm sure there's environmental factors. I just don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, and I don't think anyone really, really knows what causes endometriosis. We yeah. have an idea that certain things make you more susceptible. Yeah. Um, but why some people get it and some don't, no just, one knows. Yeah. Because, you know, especially now, now that I think people are being educated a lot more and younger, I feel like that people are getting diagnosed more with it, which is a good thing, obviously, instead of having it undiagnosed. But yeah, yeah just like there's so many of us now that have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, 10% um, of the population is supposed to have endo, so that's quite a few. Yeah. And do you think there's any complementary things worthwhile doing um, in addition to a laparoscopy? So... You know, again, sort of like the other question. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so some, and and again, like any complementary things you do, some works for some people and some don't work for some people. So I guess you just got to try it, right? Yeah. Some people change their diets and they swear it makes a difference. Some say they take this and they do that and it makes a difference. And some do everything and nothing makes a difference. So, um, yeah. 
interesting we... say to yeah everyone's different yeah and i think um as long as it doesn't leave you worse off give it a try yeah um i guess some stuff is very expensive to try yeah uh, and then you sort of have to ask yourself is it worth trying because it's so expensive i don't know yeah i think that you know you, each patient will know for themselves what they would are willing to spend I guess the word yeah things. yeah and can you clarify because I never know how to say it adenomyosis yeah you got it right adenomyosis that's how it is how you say it. okay um, so most people don't know about it. Um, can yeah. you explain how it can, well, well, explain what it is, I suppose, and how it can affect infertility? Yeah. So adenomyosis, by definition, is lining of your uterus growing into the muscle body of your uterus. Yeah. Okay. So we know it affects fertility. We've done a study yeah. at Reformat showing that if you have adenomyosis, uh, and you did an embryo transfer, your success rates are about 50% less. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you need to get it treated. Yeah. Now, how exactly it causes problems? We think that it causes problems with implantation. Yeah. Um, and it has something to do with the natural killer cells and the inflammation of the lining and so yeah. forth. So we treat it, as you know, with Zolodex, which yeah. is a medicine that you take an injection for four weeks. And depends on how bad your adeno is, you might go for four weeks, eight weeks, and sometimes even 12 weeks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, wow, 50%. That's full on. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that, I, I mean, we'll never know, I suppose. I just feel like that that was one big thing that, the Zolodex definitely helped with when I got pregnant with Maya and Ella and sure. Yera. Um, but then you could argue then how did you conceive Orlando? Yes. Yeah. I know, yeah. You weren't on anything. I, yeah. So, you know, again, you probably would have conceived Orlando yeah. if you had given enough time. But you would have missed out on Sienna and Maya. Sienna yeah. and Maya. So, yeah. Hard one. Yeah. Hard one. No, it's just all a bit You could have one kid every five years, or you could have had three kids in five years. So, yeah. you know, and that's why yeah. we talk about IVF and surgery and all that sort of stuff. And you go like, well, for the completion of your family, sometimes IVF is superior because you've got it's quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I suppose I've. What have I? Three, three under three. <laughs> no more. Very, very, very fertile, Danny. Oh, very, very lucky. If I, if only I could go back and tell myself that I'd have three babies when I had, you know, all those hard, dark days. Um, yes, still, but if you did myself. tell yourself your past self that, your past self may not have sought out help either. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I'm know? still. My mind still is blown when I look. When I look at all of them, like even I mean the girls, obviously for their that they're here, and then Orlando for for him, for him being here, but 
for him being here naturally. Like, I still just can't believe it. And he's three months old. So, yeah. It's insane. Um, and what would lead you to suggesting a laparoscopy? So, in your opinion, if somebody was experiencing infertility for some time, um, because I do know there are a few people out there that do, that have contacted me and they might, they've been trying for a, a while, um, they've had tests, everything's sort of coming back okay. Would you suggest to have a laparoscopy to rule out things like endo? It's really hard to say that without seeing them. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, you have the patient in front of you. Age is an issue. Their social circumstances, finances, um, what sort of cycle they've had, their AMH results, their semen analysis. Because yeah. all those things inform a decision. It's not a decision to do lab. It's like, oh, just have a lap or off It's like have a lap or, or don't. Yes. It's, it's about taking patients through um, an explanation on what we think could be the causes of their fertility, yes. how we can investigate and treat it, and yes. then presenting patients with options. Okay. I don't... I don't believe the modern patient today can be told what to do. Yeah. Um, I think the modern patient today uh, is savvier, smarter, and absolutely needs to be given more options. Yeah. Uh, and it's about, I think anyway, presenting them with the options and saying, okay, you know, you have three options. You can do one, two, three. Um, yeah. success rates are X, Y, Z, cost is A, B, C. Yeah. And so then you, as a patient, you have to decide for yourself. Yeah. Make what, an informed decision. Yes. You have to decide for yourself that what you, are, what you feel comfortable doing. Now, yeah. you know, some patients come in and they go, no, don't want surgery. That's okay. You don't need one. Yeah. It's a suggestion. It's an option. But, you know, what I don't like is I don't like patients coming back to me and go like, you didn't give me this option. I go, no, I did. It's in the yeah. notes. It's in the letter. We did. Yeah. You just chose to go a different path. And yeah. that's okay because yeah. we all can choose things and make mistakes with our choices. And that's life. You know, it's not a indictment on if you're smart or dumb or whatever that you made those choices it's just yeah. at that time it seemed like the right choice so you went yeah. down that pathway and it's okay yeah. none of it you know you know let's say you did IVF and then it didn't work and you go ah, you know maybe I should have done surgery well how do you know how do you know yeah. the IVF wasn't going to work yeah. know, and, and also the next thing is how you know surgery is going to work yeah, I think a lot of people just think, oh, go see Ray Ray and he's going to operate on you. Well, that may be true for some. Yeah. But it's not always true for all. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it really is, we sit down, we go through the stuff with the patients and we say, okay, look, you know, these are your options. But in my opinion, I yeah. think we should do this. And then the patient will go, okay. I either accept your recommendations or they might want to try something different. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I'm not fast with that. They'll yeah. just make their own minds up. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because like, I'm all about the informed decisions and I think a lot of people would appreciate that, giving them that option. Um, and just a lucky last question, what is your number one piece of advice for people who are trying to conceive? I don't know if I have that one piece of advice. I guess just generally speaking, you know, fertility is a journey and unfortunately we don't know the ending of this journey. Yeah. And so I guess like in life, you, you go on this journey and your road could be straight. You could have a uh, roadblock that requires you to take a detour. You could get lost. You know, and so I guess find someone, a specialist that you can trust. Yeah. Um, and I That's guess, what I think is important is the trust. Yeah, and I think if you find someone you trust and you work with them, um, I can tell you that there's no bad specialist. We all want you to fall pregnant. Why would we want you not to fall pregnant? It's It's not good for our reputation for you not to be pregnant. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's like <laughs> some people go like, oh, you know, that p- person is bad. I go like, they're not bad. It's just bad luck. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and because, and you know, if you go away pregnant, you're going to tell all these people and it's good for business. It's yeah. bad for business that you're not pregnant. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, I think find someone you trust. And if you can, stick with them. But at the same time as well, sometimes you need to see someone different, different yeah. voice. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to do that either. And honestly, mm-hmm. as a specialist who have patients have gone to see other people, I know it sounds weird, right? They have gone to mm-hmm. see other people, not me. But it's good because it doesn't, mean that I'm a failure, it mm-hmm. means that the patient needs a different voice. And yes. sometimes the next person doing the exact same thing that I would have done has some success. And then yeah. not a bad thing either. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, we want you to fall pregnant. How you yeah. fall pregnant, seeing me, seeing someone else, to me it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You know, go go with my blessings take your notes, go, because if I can't help you, I'm not arrogant enough to say that no one else can help you, because that's, yeah. that's not right, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, sometimes with a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, like ask yourself, when you had seen whoever you saw, and, you know, it wasn't working out, what made you um, decide to go and seek out someone else? More for me, it was trust. I and that's why I'm really when I talk about fertility and all that. I, like you, I say I feel like the most important thing is to trust your specialist because without that, you're just completely like for me. I was a stress ball. I stressed about everything. I was because I didn't trust them, so I kept ringing up the nurses, ringing you know, looking. I had to look over all my stuff. I had to. I was ringing other people and, oh, did you have this done to you? And um, just questioning everything that the specialist was doing because I just I had no trust in them. Exactly. Um, and so when I ended up going to Repromed and 
um, I remember walking in and I had a I had a panic attack the first time I walked in because I had such a bad experience the first time and I didn't want to go through all of that again. And then speaking to the nurses and having them talk to me and just even the nurses, trusting the nurses that they were overlooking everything as well. Um, just the whole process and... Yeah, finding a specialist that I trusted was just a complete game changer. Like yeah. I just remember being so relaxed and just feeling happy going through, like not happy obviously, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I know. just within the whole journey, I was just a lot calmer and yeah. yeah. So for that, for me, I'm the same as you. I just feel like trust is one of the biggest things. If okay. you go in there and you've got a bad feeling or you just don't get on with your doctor or something, I just think the same. Just, it's not even worth it. Just change to find someone that you do feel comfortable with. Exactly. Because I've yeah. got patients that I'm amazed are still with me. But honestly, like six, seven transfers later, still not pregnant. And then, yeah. you know, one day it works. And then I said to the patient, I said, you know, thank you for staying this long and for trusting us. But yeah. I said, you know, a lot of people would have packed their bags and gone to another specialist. Yeah. And and, you know, usually the ones who stay will say things like, look, we trust you. You know you don't want us to fail, but exactly who wants you to fail, right? And yeah. we know you're doing your best. And, you know, and if we go to someone else, they're going to do their best, but it's not exactly other people's problem. The patient said it's, it's something in us. And we just felt that as long as we stay in one spot, they felt comfortable enough staying in one spot that they felt yeah. they would get their success. Yeah, uh, yeah. They did. Now, maybe in another spectrum, they won't. Who knows? Mm. But, you know, uh, uh, thankfully, most of our patients get to where they want to go, either with us or someone else. And so yeah. uh, that's all I care about. You get to where you want to get to. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for um, chatting with me. No problem. I know we can talk for a long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know every time I'd have the one of the babies, we'd how many chats we'd have in the hospital and talking about doulas and all that sort of stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So thank you so much. I'm sure you've You're answered a lot of questions for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, enjoy your night. I can hear my son... Losing it at the moment, so I better get <laughs> you going. Better go. He's probably yeah. hungry. Maybe yes, hungry. I think he is. I think he is. I think my mum's. He's probably thinking, get some food right now. So, uh, thank you so much, and enjoy the rest You're of welcome. your night. Okay, thank take you, care, Danny. You too. Bye. Bye.